I'm Stephen Baxter. And I'm Kara Myberg-Guzman. And this is Santa Cruz Local. Welcome to episode 50. 50! We started in February. Today is Friday, November 22nd. And we're going to be talking about inclusionary housing as our big main segment. But before that... Tell me some good news. Tell me some good news. The new segment we're trying. We've heard that some of you are a little downtrodden about housing, housing, housing. homelessness, and development. <laughs> we're going to talk about one good news item that happened in the last couple of weeks. Right. Okay, Stephen, give it to us. Thursday, County Board Chairman Ryan Coonerty and County Supervisor Bruce McPherson noted that they had increased shelter beds for the homeless by about 30% this year. On top of that, they're working with the city to reopen the Veterans of Foreign Wars building in Live Oak for more homeless shelter beds at the city's request. So it's an example of the city and the county working together on homelessness, and that's a positive. Right. Yeah, definitely. When the county announced about three weeks ago that it didn't have the funding to open the VFW shelter this year, it really upset many people in the homeless community. That was one of the reasons that we saw the Ross Camp reform on November 10. And many of you have told us that you also want to see city and county aligned on the homeless issue. So this is a step in the right direction. Okay, here's my piece of good news. On Wednesday, Santa Cruz Local's community engagement intern, Natalia Drescher, went to the Santa Cruz Young Professionals Mixer at Cruz.io, and she got a really great story idea from actually two of the attendees. They asked for a Santa Cruz Local episode about elections in Santa Cruz County, how, when, and where to vote. We thought it was a great idea. We asked you in our newsletter, do you agree? Is this something you want to see? And actually, in the last day or so, about a dozen of you have already responded, uh, saying that you do want to see this story. So thank you for all that feedback. We will bring you this story, and we'd like to ask you more. Please send us your questions. What exactly do you want to know about voting in Santa Cruz County? Our next election's coming up March 3. What is it that you need to know to prepare? Tweet at us at the SC Local or email us at feedback at santacruzlocal.org. If you're only listening to our podcast and you're not getting our newsletter or looking at our website, we've covered city council, we've covered the city committee on homelessness and county board of supervisors and the planning commission in the past week but we just put that out in our newsletter and on our website in text form so if you want to get up to date on all that i encourage you to go to santacruzlocal.org main event main okay let's get to the main event the santa cruz city council is going to consider an important rule on affordable housing on december 10th it's called the inclusionary rate In a new apartment building or a condominium complex, the inclusionary rate is essentially the number of affordable units that the developer has to build in a project. So if a building has, say, 100 units and the inclusionary rate is 10%, then 10 of the units have to be sold or rented at affordable prices. The other 90 units are market rate. You might be wondering, okay, why do I care? Here's what's at stake. 
Setting the inclusionary rate is a balance. If the inclusionary rate is too low, then the city loses its opportunity to force developers to build a percentage of affordable units. But if the inclusionary rate is too high, then the cost to build becomes too expensive for developers and investors. Then we don't get any development affordable or market rate. The Santa Cruz City Council is considering increasing that inclusionary rate at its December 10th meeting. Here's Bonnie Lipscomb, the city's economic development director. She spoke at a Santa Cruz Works new tech meetup recently at the Dream Inn. She was trying to get people to pay attention to the city council's upcoming decision on inclusionary rates. So it's really critical that we look at these policies really closely. Council's considering raising our inclusionary ordinance right now to 20%. Do you have some concerns about that? In theory, I think it could be great. We need more affordable housing, right? The more affordable, the better. The problem is if the investment return is too low, the project won't be built. It really needs to be based on a feasibility analysis of looking at the market conditions here. It's about whether or not it's financially feasible, how much the land costs, what the operating costs are, and what the local public policies are. If the risk is too great, a project won't go forward. So it's important we get that balancing right. Here's why else you might care. You or someone you know might be eligible to rent or buy one of these affordable units. The eligibility is based on the area median income. The requirements are different for rentals and owned units. In the city of Santa Cruz, single people who make $54,880 or less would be eligible to rent one of these units. Families of four with an income less than $78,400 would be also eligible to rent. The threshold to buy one of these affordable units is a little bit higher. In the city of Santa Cruz, again, for a single person, the maximum income is $82,320. For a family of four, it's $117,600. Why is the city council considering increasing the number of inclusionary units that developers are required to build? Council members Chris Crone and Sandy Brown have waited for a chance to increase the inclusionary rate for a few years. Crone has said to us in interviews that the Santa Cruz market can bear a tougher requirement for developers. Ever since I started on the council in December of 1998, there's been someone knocking at the door and there's deals that the city council can and cannot make. And I remember Dick Wilson, the former city manager saying, oh, you're gonna turn away these developers and no one will ever wanna develop in Santa Cruz again. That's just simply not true. That there's always somebody knocking at the door. Peter Douglas, the Coastal Commission um, executive director for many years said, the coast is never saved. The coast is always being saved. And so it really, the job of the city council is to represent uh, people who live here now and, and not developers from over the hill, not second home people, not the tech workers who are at the Google campuses right now that would love to live in Surf City, but we're here to work with and provide well, you know, protection, but also um, support our local people. The city council will look at increasing the inclusionary rate from 15% to 20%. That's because council member Sandy Brown made a motion back in October for that to happen. Part of that motion also was for the planning commission to look at that inclusionary rate, and it did Thursday. The planning commission voted four to two to recommend an economic feasibility study before the city council increases the inclusionary rate. 
The planning commissioners who voted in favor wanted to approach the decision carefully with as much data as possible. Commissioners Julie Conway, Peter Spellman, Greg Pepping, and Christian Nielsen voted in favor. The commissioners who voted against, Andy Schifrin and Miriam Greenberg, said that they were wary of economic feasibility studies. Commissioner Schifrin said that economic studies tend to show what the consultants and staff and developers want. Council members Sandy Brown and Chris Crone have also hinted that they're concerned that a study would delay a change to the inclusionary law. They're fairly convinced that increasing the inclusionary rate is a good thing. Feasibility studies try to predict whether developers and investors will build if the inclusionary rate changes. We'll get into what a feasibility study is and its strengths and limitations, but first, let's hear from a developer. Here's Jesse Bristow, a development project manager at Swenson. Bristow was one of about 10 people who spoke at the planning commission meeting on Thursday. We have no issue um, with the 15% re requirement. We think inclusionary should be part of developments, but as you start to make that increase, it starts to chip away at the financial feasibility of that project because those market rate units are subsidizing those affordable units, and then those have to go up to make up for that rent roll because we go to a lender, we go to a bank, and they need their guaranteed return on that land of, of what is being built. So I just really want to emphasize that um, if, as, we, as we push that up, you're, you're squeezing um, the feasibility of it out. And again, you, you, will, you won't get any more proposals. And maybe that's the underlying uh, tone of, of this purpose is, is not to have development. Much of our affordable housing development in Santa Cruz is at the mercy of the market and what investors and developers are willing to bear. At the end of the day, developers say that it's the investors that control the game. Investors lend the cash that developers need to get the projects going. Investors require a certain rate of return, and broadly speaking, they're pretty risk-averse. Essentially, it comes down to a simple formula. Cash flow divided by cash equity equals return for the investors. To figure this out, you look at expenses like costs of land, construction, financing, etc., and balance that with projected income once the units are sold or rented and possible vacancy rates. It all comes down to a math problem. Some of this info comes from the, an affordable housing finance 101 class that I took. It was hosted by the city last month. The trainer came from National Development Council, a nonprofit that helps finance and structure affordable housing. Most likely, the question before the city council in December will be whether to do a feasibility study. That study would look at different project types and try to predict an expected rate of return for developers. At the end of the day, the study wants to understand whether a 20% inclusionary rate would be too high of a hurdle for developers to actually build. The feasibility study looks at things like cash flow models and land value to measure that return for investors. The city actually did a feasibility study on inclusionary rates last year. One of the major findings of that study was that a 15% inclusionary rate was feasible, but barely. It's only feasible if the city provides incentives to developers. The city has since said that the market has changed since 2018 and that study may not necessarily apply 
However, Bonnie Lipscomb says that that study actually opens the city up to liability. So there's this state law, AB 1505. It was passed in 2017. This law basically keeps an eye on cities that are trying to raise their inclusionary rates above 15% without a feasibility study. This law allows the state to step in and require a feasibility study, but it doesn't apply to Santa Cruz because Santa Cruz has already made enough progress on its housing production goals to stay out of the state's scrutiny. But like we said, there's one part of this law that may apply to the city. Because that study says that inclusionary rates above 15% are not feasible, then it opens up the city to potential lawsuits, said Lipscomb. However, if the city is flexible with how it applies a 20% rate, that could help shield the city from potential lawsuits, she said. There's many ways to apply an inclusionary rate. Right now, the city's inclusionary law is fairly rigid. Now, the city's rental inclusionary units are only available to people who make 80% of the area median income. If that could be increased to 120% of the area median income, like some other local jurisdictions have it, then developers could get more return, and that could make projects feasible, Lipscomb said. That's because rents are based on people's incomes. The higher someone's income is, the higher rent can be charged for an inclusionary unit. The whole reason that the city was even looking at this feasibility study was because it wasn't seeing any development of rentals outside the downtown. So after this study came out, the city decided to reduce the inclusionary rate from 15% to 10% for rentals outside the downtown. And then the city got sued over that rate. Yeah, the city got sued earlier this year by Santa Cruz residents Ron Pomerantz and Shelley Hatch. We recapped this in a previous episode, but in short, they sued the city about a proposed development at Front and Laurel Streets. There's a 205-unit market rate development that would take up that whole block where Taco Bell is right now. Hatch and Pomerantz didn't like the deal that the developer wanted to make with the city to not build the inclusionary requirements. And then the city settled a few weeks ago. Kara, tell us about the settlement. In short, the city agreed to bring the inclusionary rate back up to 15% for all rentals and ownership units across the city. As the city is considering a feasibility study, one thing to think about is the cost. The city spent $30,000 on studies related to inclusionary rates last year. By the way, that's more than just the feasibility study we mentioned. It's also for project-specific reports. In terms of time, it would take a few months also. But the cost of not having a study is kind of going on a hunch. So far, we haven't seen a study that says a 20% inclusionary rate will work in Santa Cruz today. The UC Berkeley Turner Center for Housing Innovation issued a report last year on the value of feasibility studies on inclusionary rates. The center got a bunch of housing experts together and had a facilitated talk about how to improve feasibility studies. Basically, they all agreed that these studies are approximations. 
They won't give you that magic inclusionary number that's perfect for your city. Essentially, the report said that the studies are valuable and necessary, but they wanted to tamp down people's expectations too. They said that it would be helpful to, quote, slightly lower public expectations regarding the degree of certainty they can provide. Have we mentioned that you should sign up for our newsletter? Sign up for our newsletter, santacruzlocal.org. We'll give you briefings of local government meetings, and we'll also let you know what's coming up for the week that you should watch. Again, the sign up is at santacruzlocal.org. Thank you to all our members. Thank you especially to our guardian level members, Elizabeth and David Doolin, Chris Necklison, Patrick Riley, and the Kelly family. If you'd like to become a member, visit santacruzlocal.org slash membership. Thank you also to our sponsor for this episode, Santa Cruz TechBeat. Santa Cruz TechBeat is the go-to source for all things tech in Santa Cruz and the Monterey Bay region. Santa Cruz TechBeat provides a convenient way to stay informed about local tech. TechBeat's website and newsletter give you news, events, jobs, resources, and a business directory. Subscribe for free santacruztechbeat.com. Thank you also to Santa Cruz Works for letting us use your recording of Bonnie Lipscomb's presentation. I'm Stephen Baxter. And I'm Kara Myberg guzman Thanks for listening to Santa Cruz Local. <laughs>